Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Today we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6. Prescribed duties for mankind. Chapter 4, the Hamsaguya prayers. Text number, starting from text number 15. Is that right? 15? Yeah. This, there's quite a few verses here that don't have any purports. Uh, so we will proceed. Alam dag daedri maridinai Kilanam Glasses are a bit fogged up. Alam Dagdhaira Drumair Dinai Kilanam Shivamastu Vaha Vakshi Hyeshavara Kanya Nitve pratigriyatam Alam dagdhair drumair dinai Kilanam shivamastu vaha Vakshi eshavara kanya Patnitve pratigriyatam Alam, enough, Dagdai, with burning, Drumai, the trees, Dinai, poor, Kilanam, of the remainder, of the trees, Shivam, all good fortune, Astu, let there be. Vaha, of you, Vakshi, raised by the trees, he, indeed, Isha, this, Vara, choice, Kanya, daughter, Patnitve, into wifehood, Pratigriyatam, let her be accepted. There is no need to burn these poor trees any longer. Let whatever trees still remain be happy. Indeed, you should also be happy. Now, here is a beautiful, well-qualified girl named Marisha, who was raised by the trees as their daughter. You may accept this beautiful girl as your wife. <clears throat> I'm just going to read the translations now because uh, there's about four or five that don't have purports. So basically storyline. Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear king, after thus pacifying the Prachetas, Soma, 
the king of the moon, gave them the beautiful girl born of Pramlocha Apsara. The Prachetas all received Pramlocha's daughter, who had high, very beautiful hips, and married her according to the religious systems. In the womb of that girl, the Prachetas all begot a son named Daksha, who filled the three worlds with living entities. Purport. Daksha was first born during the reign of Swayambhuva Manu. But because of offending Lord Shiva, he was punished by having the head of a goat substituted for his own head. Thus insulted, he had to give up that body and in the sixth Mamvantara called the Chakshusha Mamvantara, he was born of the womb of Marisha as Daksha. In this connection, Srila Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur quotes this verse, Chakshushe Tvantare Prapte Praksage Kalavidrute Yasasaja Praja Ishtaha Sadaksho Daivachoditaha his previous body had been destroyed, but he, the same Daksha, inspired by the supreme will, created all the desired living entities in the Chakshusha Mamvantara. This is from the Bhagavatam, 4.30.49. Thus Daksha regained his previous opulence and again begot thousands of millions of children to fill the three worlds. Text 18, Sukadev Goswami continued, please hear from me with great attention how Prajapati engaging in great austerities to please him. My dear king, I shall fully explain to you the Hamsaguya prayers which were offered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead by Daksha. And I shall explain how the Lord was pleased with him for those prayers. Purport, it is to be understood that the Hamsaguya prayers were not composed by Daksha, but were existing in the Vedic literature. Text number 23. Prajapati Daksha said, The Supreme Personality of Godhead is transcendental to the illusory energy and the physical categories it produces. He possesses the potency for unfailing knowledge and supreme willpower and he is the controller of the living entities and the illusory energy. The conditioned souls 
who have accepted this material manifestation as everything cannot see him. For he is above the evidence of experimental knowledge. Self-evident and self-sufficient, he is not caused by any superior cause. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Purport. The transcendental position of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is explained herewith. He is not perceivable by the conditioned souls who are accustomed to material vision and cannot understand that the Supreme Personality of Godhead exists in his abode, which is beyond that vision. Even if a materialistic person could count all the atoms in the universe, he would still be unable to understand the supreme personality of Godhead. As confirmed in Brahma Samhita, chapter 5, text 34, Pantastu koti satavatsara the conditioned souls may try to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead for many billions of years through their mental speculation processes, oh sorry, mental speculative processes travelling at the speed of the mind or the wind, but Still, the absolute truth will remain inconceivable to them because a materialistic person cannot measure the length and breadth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's unlimited existence. If the absolute truth is beyond measurement, one may ask, how can one realise him? <clears throat> so... Um, we have a very interesting setting here in that Daksha is reappearing. in the uh, pages of the Srimad Bhagavatam after uh, an ignominious exit <laughs> in a previous uh, Manu, in a previous Mambantara. The, 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 um, the time frames in which the Bhagavatam measures the duration of the universe and the cycles of ages that occur within the, the, the total duration of the, of the material universe are mind-boggling. The... Vedic conception of time is far more expansive and far more um, uh, accommodating than the modern understanding of the, 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 the creation and the establishment of the of the universal affairs, and and um, and so we find 
histories of, of different personalities over huge time frames. And, and the, um, the Mamantaras, the, the Manus, Uh, off the, off the, yeah. You could get yourself in trouble doing that. <laughs> huh. So here we find um, Daksha appearing again after many thousands of years. Many hundreds of thousands of years. And basically reappearing to perform the same function as he did in a previous uh, Mamantara, in the age of the previous Manu. And that is to populate the, the, the universe you know, the, the, the universe has a function. It's not haphazard, it's not random, it's not accidental, it's very deliberate. The, the, the Lord expands himself in a variety of spiritual forms and uh, each of those forms has a function, each of those forms has a purpose. And in order to create the material universes, he uh, appears in three, basically three forms. There's the Mahavishnu, the Karanadakasai Vishnu, there's the Chirudakasai Vishnu, and the Gabadakasai Vishnu. And uh, Mahavishnu, the Karanadakasai Vishnu, lies down in uh, the, the um, causal ocean, which is part of a cloud that covers a portion of the spiritual sky. And within that uh, uh, water, he lies down on an antasej and, and is attended to by Lakshmi. She's massaging his feet while, he's, he, while he has a, a, a sleep, basically. And in his sleep, the, uh, the universe is a manifest uh, as part of his breathing. And so the, uh, as he exhales, and, and the breathing um, through the pores of his skin, right, which is an interesting way of breathing, and nothing that we've ever that we, well, difficult for us to do. We breathe through our lungs. Huh? But anyway, uh, as, the, as he exhales through the pores of his skin come the universal, the universes, uncountable universes in a, in a, in a seed-like form and then they expand into the, 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 universal, the universes that we experience, right? Uncountable numbers of universes. But just part of his breathing. Breathes out, out they come, breathes in, back they come in again. Right. So, so for him, a very short period of time, but for us, interminably long period of time. Right. This just, this just serves to indicate how, how inconceivably uh, huge the Lord's potencies are. The Lord himself is. Uh, and then uh, he manifests in the form of Chirudakasai Vishnu to be present within all of the atoms within the, within the universe and then also as Gabadakasai Vishnu from whom the lotus flower extends from his navel and within which all of the planetary systems are manifest. And all, uh, almost, well, inconceivable. 
You know, sometimes they say, truth is stranger than fiction. No? You can't make this up. <laughs> but um, what it serves to illustrate is that, you know, activities like here, uh, Daksha is returning again to render service. And as part of this whole scheme of things, and that scheme is to provide facilities for the living entities to A, pursue their material pursuits, their material desires, but also giving them an opportunity for their purification so that they can realise their spiritual identity. So on the one hand, we're born into the material world with our material aspirations, with our material proclivities, with our material desires, but by the arrangement of the Lord, one is also given an opportunity to pursue one's spiritual path, if you like. And so that facility is afforded to the living entities as a result of their karma, their previous actions, positive and, and negative, and, and also transcendental. And uh, the qualities that one has acquired as a result of those activities, guna and karma, right, which determine our current situation. Not, which is also not easy to understand, you know, because uh, we have free will. Right? We, have the, we have the opportunity to choose our future destination, right? You have an influence on your future destination. So you've got free will. But at the same time, there's our karma, right? And so there are reactions that we cannot avoid. So on the one hand, it appears that we have choice. But then on the other hand, it looks like we're locked. We're locked in. No? And so it's very interesting to see Daksha again appearing in the pages of the Bhagavatam, uh, fulfilling his desires, but at the same time doing so in relationship with devotional service, right? with, with spiritual aspirations, with, with, with a desire ultimately to please Krishna, which is what... And, and we see the same situation with Lord Brahma, right? Lord Brahma also has had, has a similar motivation, similar impetus to act, right? In that he offered his prayers, the Brahma Samhita, which is referred to here, and uh, in the Brahma Samhita, we see a very um, structured and ordered description of basically the material creation because Brahma at that point was not aware of what he should be doing, of how he should manifest you know, uh, the, 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 the creation. And, and it's interesting to see the, the similarity between Brahma and Daksha. Right? When they weren't clear on what they should be doing or when they needed inspiration to engage in what they were uh, inspired to do, what did they do? They weren't clear on what they should do. What, what did they then engage in? Austerity. Austerity, yes, and that's what's mentioned here. Well, in this particular case, Prajapati Daksha wasn't, he felt he wasn't performing his service properly. He wasn't uh, 
properly generating all kinds of living entities. So he went to Agamarshana and performed austerities. Here, in this case, ritualistic ceremonies, but with the purpose to satisfy the Lord. Right? He, he is mentioned. Upasprishya uh, anusavanam tapasa atosayat harim. So, uh, performing austerities regularly for the pleasure of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that's what Lord Brahma did. Right. And then after the execution of those austerities, they were inspired. Right. Brahma offered his prayers to the Lord. Ishvaraha Parama Krishna Satchitananda Vigraha Anadir and and then this and, and Prabhupada quotes here one of the verses from the Brahma Samhita. And and here we see with Daksha, we're now hearing the Hamsaguya prayers, and, and, and it's mentioned here, these these weren't made up by Daksha, but rather these were prayers already in existence, but they exemplify or they mm, um, they reveal his realizations, his understandings, his inspiration after pleasing the Lord. Right? And this is a symptom of a devotee, right? Symptom of a devotee. We see it in Brahma. We see it in in uh, uh, Daksha. Um, uh, um, what's that verse? Matschita matkata prana bodayanta parasparam katayantas cha mamnicham tusyantija ramantija. They like to glorify, the devotees like to hear and chant about Krishna. Katayantas cha mamnicham. Right? So it's interesting, it's interesting that there was a personal motivation to engage in the propagation of the living entities within the creation. We see that in Brahma, we see that in uh, Daksha, but we also see this uh, dedication to the service of Krishna. Right? And that's their perfection. That's their perfection, is their dedication to rendering service. And, and we see that in the prayers that they uh, manifest, in the descriptions of, of, of the Lord. And we see it in their service, in their service attitude. So there's still some personal motivation Right? That's why we've come to the material world. There's still some material motivation. But there's the inclination to serve, to glorify and to serve uh, the Lord. And as a consequence of that, uh, especially that hearing and chanting, Right? Basically, this is the beginning of bhakti, sravanam, kirtanam. And also, hearing and chanting. You know, this means hum, uh, Daksha has heard these prayers before. That's how he's able to recite them, right? He's heard them. 
And so he's engaging in the Shravanam, Kirtanam process, but also Vandanam is another activity of devotional service. Right? And usually the Vandanam, the prayers, illustrate the realizations of the, of the devotees. Right? You know, it's, it reveals their heart. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, was it Subhya? Was it? No. Um, yeah, it was Subhya who asked that question about uh, Gajendra. Wasn't it? Very interesting question about Gajendra. But, but interesting to note that Gajendra remembered the prayers from his previous life as a devotee and offered them to the Lord in his, in his plight. Plight. Huh? So this is a natural, you know, a natural tendency of, a, of the devotees is to offer prayers to, to the Lord or offer prayers to the, to the spiritual master. Right? This is a, it's a, it's a function of, of devotional service, is to engage in the, the hearing, and then after hearing the recitation, and then uh, hearing the prayers offered by the so, so it's interesting, you know, when we greet the deities every morning, Prabhupada has us recite the prayers of Lord Brahma, right? In glorification of Krishna. Or every morning, samsara dhavanala lida loka, right? Prayers to the, uh, the spiritual master. This is, this is a, a, it's a natural feature of of devotional life. And, and it reveals the realizations of the devotees. And of course, you know, there's one thing to offer prayers, I guess. It's another thing to act on them, right? You can offer flowery words, but you've also got to put your prayers into practice. Right? There's no point in glorifying the spiritual master and then ignoring his instructions or glorifying Krishna and ignoring his uh, devotional service. So the first statement by uh, Daksha is that um, The Lord is what? Can anybody remember? Swayambhuve. What does that mean? Swayambhuve. We didn't, well, I read it. Swayambhuve. Yes, he's self-manifest. Self-manifest. Everything that we see in the creation has a cause. Everything. Everything that we see, we can trace its cause. But the Lord, Krishna, has no cause. Right? Anadi adi govindam. Right? Anadi adi govindam. He's the beginning. He's the cause. But he himself has no cause. And for most, and, and, and the point that's being made here is that for most materially minded people to think of something that has no cause, because everything that we experience within the creation has a cause, and to try and understand somebody or something that has no cause, it just, just, it, actually it's inconceivable. You can't think of such a thing. Right? Which is why we need to hear the prayers of Daksha. We need to hear the prayers of Brahma. We need to hear Krishna's instructions in the Bhagavad Gita. We hear regularly the Bhagavatam. Because, uh, and why hearing is so important, is because to conceive 
of this person who is without a cause is actually impossible. It's impossible for us to expand our limited mind, our limited brain, to, the, to, to encompass the unlimited. It's not possible. We, we are limited by the three modes of material nature. We're limited by the, uh, the, 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 the um, pancha mahabhuta, you know, the material energy. We're limited by the senses. We're limited by the mind and the intelligence and our false ego. So very difficult for us to understand something which is unlimited, impossible actually, but at least by material endeavour. And that's why Prabhupada quotes this verse. Uh, you could try to count all of the atoms in the creation. And even if you could add them all up, right? even if you arrived at a figure which counted all of the atoms in the whole of the universe, you still wouldn't be able to understand Krishna. Because well, we're still bound up within that atomic creation and he's outside of it, he's beyond it. And this is why hearing is so important because the only way that we can approach an understanding of Krishna and his um, unlimited qualities, his transcendental qualities, is by hearing about him, by hearing of his characteristics, which, which, which are uh, uh, inconceivable, yet can be described. Right? This is the importance of the of the um, the parampara system in that we hear descriptions of Krishna and his incarnations. We hear descriptions of the, activity, the activities of his devotees. And by the simple process of hearing uh, these descriptions, especially in the Bhagavatam, we gain an insight into the inconceivable potencies of Krishna by hearing about them. They're, they're described simply, they're accepted with faith by the devotees, they're meditated on, and by this hearing and, and uh, meditation and also by the description, by the the, by the uh, repetition and the distribution of this knowledge, the devotees, um, by dint of their devotional service, get an understanding into how, these, how the material creation works under the control of uh, the supreme cause, without a cause. Ordinarily, we can't understand these things by our own endeavours. You know, an attempt to measure the immeasurable is impossible. But Krishna can be understood by those who engage in this process of simply hearing about him. Huh? So we get the messages from the Bhagavatam. Ultimately, these are messages that are coming from the spiritual world. From either Krishna himself or from great devotees like Lord Brahma, like Daksha. You know, we hear so many prayers in, in, in the Bhagavatam. Sukadeva Goswami, Vyasadeva, uh, so many descriptions. You know, Krishna is known as Ananta, right? Which means unlimited. 
unlimited, right? And because he's unlimited, it's impossible for us to get our, uh, with our material mind and senses, is to, to, to measure the Lord. But, very interesting, ananta means also that he, he has unlimited pastimes, unlimited activities, and also unlimited descriptions of his pastimes and activities delivered by the devotees. So these are very special. So in hearing about the activities through the agency of devotees like Daksha, we get an opportunity to understand. Uh, otherwise not possible. Right? Prabhupada says here, he is not perceivable by those with material vision. They can't understand that he exists in his own spiritual abode beyond the material world. That he enters within it in a variety of forms to maintain and support it, to, to oversee it and to manage it. So this is, uh, this is important, hearing these prayers from devotees like Daksha, Lord Brahma, uh, Sugadeva Goswami, who's actually making this recitation to um, Maharaj Parikshit. We listen to those um, descriptions and, and, you know, it's part of our devotional service that we're hearing these uh, descriptions of the qualities and the characteristics of the supreme, per the supreme transcendental person who's beyond the material creation. And in that process, we gain an understanding. We, we, we get access to information that can't be acquired by material means. And, and this is part of the spiritual potency of Krishna, actually. This, the recitation of his characteristics, his qualities, his, what is it? Um, Leela, right? Pastimes. Guna, qualities. His forms and his names. Uh, by hearing these, the leela, the qualities, the, act, the, the, the activities, the, what is it? Leela, guna, rupa, the form and the names of Krishna, we get to know him, we get to understand him, we get to understand the transcendental qualities and characteristics of the Lord. Uh, and this is part of his spiritual potency. Right? Uh, Krishna mentions that he reveals himself to those devotees who engage in these, this devotional service. Desham satata yuktanam bhajatam pritipurvakam dadami buddhiyogam tam yena mamupayantite. I give them the understanding by which they can come to me. But for those who engage, what is it? Matsjida matkata prana badayanta parasparam katayantascha mamnitjam tusyanti mantija. The devotees get pleasure and satisfaction out of glorifying Krishna. Uh, and by engaging in that process, then Krishna says, Buddhi, uh, I give them the understanding by which they can come to me, out of compassion for them. What is it? <coughs> out of compassion for them, I give them the understanding by which they can come to me. I, dwelling within the heart, Krishna says, I, dwelling within the heart, destroy the darkness of ignorance 
with the torch of transcendental knowledge. So this is a, a mystic process, mystic activity, right? The Supreme Personality of Godhead is ordinarily not approachable by material activities, yet by the simple activity of hearing and chanting, especially hearing and chanting the Bhagavatam, why we have the Bhagavatam class every day is to hear about these qualities of the Lord. And by that regular process of hearing with faith and then absorbing that information, meditating on it, and then acting on it, right? Acting in rendering service. Then Krishna says, I, dwelling within the heart, I dwell, you know, Krishna's dwelling within the heart. I give the devotees the understanding and the realizations by which we're able to then perceive and appreciate the presence of the Lord. Right? Very simple, simple process, but very, very powerful, very powerful. This, the, the offering of prayers is a part of that process. So in that way then, that which is very, very far away, beyond the material world, can be brought close. That's the process of devotional service. It brings us closer to Krishna and Krishna closer to us. So we don't have any problem when we hear that uh, Krishna exists on the transcendental platform um, and that the materialistic persons can't approach him, yet the devotees can. And we appreciate that because we feel that relationship. And we feel um, the release from the, you know, from the material setting and are inspired by, by the performance of devotional service because it, it, it confirms and, and strengthens our relationship with, with Krishna, with the spiritual master, but also with, with Krishna. So we've got an opportunity for quite a few more verses to hear uh, the Hamsaguya prayers and um, meditating on those prayers, we can deepen our understanding. And so it, it, it's interesting here, what's described. Um, Krishna, or the Supreme Personality of Godhead is transcendental to the illusory energy and the physical categories. So he's beyond everything that we can perceive with our mind and senses. Uh, but he himself has unfailing knowledge. In fact, what, what's one of the names of Krishna? You know, it starts with an S. Two syllables. You know? Oh, pundits. What's the name of Krishna that starts with S is two syllables. Satya. Right? Satya. What's that mean? What does Satya mean? Truth. Yes, truth. Huh? Uh, he is the controller of all the living entities as a super soul. He's controlling all of our activities. Huh? And the illusory energy. He's the controller of all energy. Spiritual energy, material energy, the living entities. Uh, the, the materialistic living entities cannot see him. Why? He is above experimental knowledge. But... He exists self-evident and self-sufficient without any prior cause. So this is the first description by Taksha of 
the Lord. Does anybody have any comments or questions? Mm. They have the capacity, whether they do it or not, that's another thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why we go and chant Hare Krishna. Right? We go and chant Hare Krishna so that everybody can be engaged in Krishna service. Whether they like it or not. And sometimes they don't. Right? You go on Harinam and you'll find people that go, oh, no, not Krishna again. I'm trying to avoid him. <laughs> so there's, there's uh, devotional services called punya, pious, or uh, sukriti, right? Good karma. And um, hearing is the first, is the beginning of bhakti, right? hearing. Although when you're hearing, somebody's speaking. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a conundrum. What comes first, hearing or chanting? Uh, huh? Uh, chanting, because there wouldn't be any hearing if there was nobody chanting. <laughs> but for our beginning, we hear somebody else speaking. Uh, and we have inquiries. You know, I remember when I first met the devotees, and they would answer my questions, and I was like, whoa, wow, far out. Here's somebody who can answer my questions, the kind of questions that I had. Who is God? You know, what is the purpose of, what, what are we here for? What am I doing? Who am I? Huh? Why am I suffering? These are the basic, you know, inquiry. And, and that's what inspired me to engage in devotional, you know, to be a devotee effectively was the um, descriptions of the purpose of life and the, and, and the process to, to, to uh, the process of self-realization. So, Um, everybody has that capacity not everybody wants to do it is that right? yeah anything else? There are some really, you know, from our perspective, there are some rather bewildering descriptions in the Bhagavatam. Like this one, for example. Uh, um, the Prachetas have been performing austerities underwater for 10,000 years, right? Then, and, and their father, Prachini Bahi, had also gone off to perform austerities, so there was no effectively no administration of the, of the planetary affairs, right? So the Prachetas, who are meant to inherit the administration from their father, have um, arisen from the, their austerities to discover that the planet is covered by trees. Right? So that's like, whoa, that's pretty far out, okay. So what do they do? 
they then proceed to burn all of the trees. Right? But then, um, who is it? Who's, who's Soma, the, the, yeah, the, the moon god, who's the um, protector of plants, right? <laughs> he pacifies them and says, hold on, you know, you can't burn all of the trees. We need some vegetation, right? And um, then pacifies them by giving them his daughter, who's the daughter of the tree. Uh, no, no, not his, is it his, no. Is it Soma's daughter? The tree, yes, but Simon somehow, he's the grandfather or whatever. He's the, he's the father, isn't he? And he's described as the father here. So they give, uh, Soma gives the daughter of the trees to the Prachetas. Right? Marisha. Yeah, Marisha. And then the Prachetas beget one son... Daksha, who's come from a previous month and it's like, woo, <laughs> this is pretty far out stuff. Right, so what are you going to do with a story like that? What are you going to do? Trying to get some lessons out of it. Like for, for some of the translations of some of the versions, we have four books. That's right. That's right. Yeah, many. So we just hear it. We listen to it. We hear it. We absorb it. You know, it mentions there that the Prachetas accepted Marisha according to religious principles. Right. So uh, uh, um, at least um, there's an in you know, there's an indication, there's an encouragement that a marriage and a connection between, you know, the boy and the girl should be done according to religious formulas, right? So, but otherwise, you know, this reminds me of the Pandavas accepting... Um, who did, the, who did the Pandavas marry? Draupadi. Right, so five boys married one girl. Now that's ordinarily not done, right? <clears throat> and here we've got ten Prachetas, is it? Ten? Ten Prachetas married one girl. Um, no purport. <laughs> right. So what do we do? We just accept that. We just have to accept it as part of the storyline. That's what it says. Right? And we accept that. But it was done according to religious principles. Right? And they ended up with one son. Daksha. Daksha. Yeah. And Daksha, the previous Daksha, who got himself in a lot of hot water with Lord Shiva, ended up with a goat's head, right? How embarrassing, right? Uh, you know, the, 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 the implication is, you know, a goat and a goat, a goat's fairly, uh, the male goats are pretty lusty characters, right? So it's, he got what he, did, he deserved, <laughs> I guess. He must have, otherwise, how did he end up with a goat's head? Again, not an accident. Huh? But then again, born, born again, engaged in the same service and performing austerities, pleased Lord Vishnu. This is one of the features of Duchess' uh, character is that he's very elevated. He made a mistake, but he's still very elevated, such that Lord Vishnu was pleased with him 
and he then recites these beautiful prayers. So I think some of the descriptions of the course of events, they're incidental, right? And they're not commented on because they're not important. But what is important is Daksha pleasing the Lord and then reciting these prayers. And so therefore we get, you know, you get these intervals of history where things take place that are really outside of our experience, right? And there's very little comment made. But the really important elements um, are those which are commented on by the Acharyas. And that is here, you know, the description of the characteristics of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as realised by Daksha. Um, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, evidenced or presented in his recitation of the, the, the prayers. And so they're the things that the, the Acharyas comment on and where we spend our attention, you know, on the devotional service effectively, you know, how to be a good devotee. You know, what do devotees do, really? This is what the Bhagavatam is all about. And, um, and you know, some of the incidental uh, storyline, it's not commented on and could almost be a distraction, right? It could be a distraction, can be a distraction. But somebody will say, what is this? You know, we've got this situation where this girl is the daughter of the trees. Who ever heard of such a thing, right? How can that be? How can that possibly be? The daughter, uh, you know, the daughter of the, um, or the granddaughter, is it the daughter or the granddaughter of the, of the demigod Soma and the trees? Right? And, and so that distracts people who've got a materialistic mentality, right? It's very distracting. Oh, this is, how can you believe in this stuff? Right? This fellow who got a goat's head in his previous lifetime. But, so, you know, Hare Krishna. So, you know, if you look at, if you look at some of the elements of the storyline, you'll find there's a bit of stuff to distract you, right? But if you look at the, if you look at the essential information that's presented by the Acharyas, you find the focus is not on the, the elements of the story that might not, be, that might not fit in with our experience, but what, does, what is pertinent is how to be, how to be a devotee, effectively. What are, the, what are the qualities and characteristics of the Supreme Personality of Godhead? How do the devotees... Uh, 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 real, re, how are they, those characteristics and qualities revealed to the devotees? And how do they share that, those realizations and revelations, you know, so that others can benefit? I mean, yeah. What's that? Yes, that's right. You know, just because we don't experience and see these things can't mean that they never happened or can't happen. And so we have to accept that. And if, we, if we're to accept the inconceivable nature of God, right, then that's why we accept some of the inconceivable descriptions of activities in the Bhagavatam. Right? Is that okay? Yeah. Don't get distracted by the, by the stuff that you don't understand or that's not described in detail because it's, it's, they're not important actually. It's storyline and we, just, we hear it 
and accept it. And then where, the, where the purports are, that's the bit that we concentrate on. Yeah. Mahatma. Okay, good, very good. Surrender and service. And service. Well, yeah, they, they're more or less the same, aren't they? Part of the... Um, yes. Yep. Protect. Yeah. And if he doesn't give it to you, you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gantharaj Simad Bhagavatam Kijai, Sri Prabhupada Kijai, Gaurabhakta Brinda Kijai, Hare Krishna.